Welcome to the Comeback Podcast. As always, I am your host, Connor, and today is episode 253. My guest today is Tomás Fonseca, who is initially from Portugal, spent some time in Vietnam, and today we're going to cover a variety of topics, both Portugal and Vietnam, also football, podcasting, he is also a podcaster himself, and Up Global, of which he was heavily a part of, and I believe still is, we're going to discuss more. Tomás, welcome, how are you? I'm doing great, thanks for inviting me on the podcast. I know uh, Toro has been has been on the podcast here already, so I'm a, I'm a fan of the podcast since then, and it's a pleasure to be number 253, man. That's a lot. Yeah, I got stuck in, I think, in January as part of my New Year's resolution and then became a bit obsessed with it. I have that personality trait where I get obsessed with things quite easily and then it's all or nothing, so I just put everything into it and I'm really enjoying the progress so far. Yeah, for sure, man. And don't, don't call it an obsession, man. It's a, it's a positive thing. And you're, you're, you're meeting a bunch of different people from, from this platform. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I wish you all the best for, for what's, what's about to come next. Yeah, absolutely, man. And with that, I believe you are my third Portuguese guest. I've not managed to meet as many Portuguese as other nationalities, but it is a country that interests me. So do you mind telling me a bit more about your upbringing in Portugal and what that was like? Yeah, it was pretty the, the traditional uh, way here in Portugal. So you get raised in a, in a calm uh, neighborhood. You know, you go to school uh, and I, I had the pleasure of uh, never failing any class or any year. So you can imagine how my family was proud of me. And, uh, and yeah, it's quite a, a good place to live. Of course, it will depend from city to city, uh, from council to council. But uh, I love the place where, where I grew up. I grew up by the sea. Right now I'm talking from, from, my, from my parents' house. And I, I live uh, seven minutes walking uh, to a beach. So you can imagine the, the quality of life there. And, uh, and yeah, and then I, went, I did, uh, I did my, my studies here in Lisbon as well. Uh, I studied uh, marketing management for three years. Uh, I did I did a bit of Erasmus in Budapest in Hungary. That was uh, great as well. But yeah, I I always had a feeling that Portugal was quite not enough for me, mm. uh, despite being an awesome an awesome country with an awesome culture, uh, a lot of a, a very big expat community here. But I always had the feeling that Portugal was not quite enough for me. And that's why I, I, tend, I tend to leave country a lot. <laughs> right, I see. I've never been to Portugal. Is it where Lisbon will be the big vibrant city and everywhere else is a bit more laid back, a bit more mellow? Is that the type of vibe or is it different to what I presumed? So it's, a, it's what we call in a, a ninth grade geography. It's a bipolarized country. So it's, it's focused on two polars, which is uh, Lisbon and Porto. Uh, Lisbon being, uh, being the bigger city here and Lisbon and, and Porto being the second biggest city. And then all the other cities, they're uh, rather small. We have a, a third big hub, which is in Algarve, which is where all the red, red-skinned British uh, go to go to go for summer vacations, uh, 
but yeah, it's uh, it's as you said, it's pretty laid back uh, outside of the city in the countryside, even in, in the countryside slash beach side, because you have some of that as well. But even in, in Lisbon, it can get a bit hectic and uh, downtown and uptown. But uh, if you go 20 or 30 minutes to the suburbs, which is where I live, uh, it's a pretty relaxed way of life. Right, I see. And you did mention a stint in Budapest. Can you tell me a bit more about how you came there and what that was like? So, man, Erasmus, uh, if anyone that is listening now or even you, Connor, if you have the chance to do Erasmus, like it's it has to be it has to be a yes, 100 percent yes, because it was one of the best experiences in my life. And I still have uh, I still daydream about about the time I spent there. Um, so we, when you're graduating in your, in your bachelor, I mean, before you graduate in your bachelor, you have the chance to do Erasmus and you have a list of countries to choose from, depending on your, on your, on your degree, of course. And, and I had a cousin, an older cousin that he went to Budapest and he absolutely, uh, loved it. So he said, uh, there's no choice to make here. Just put Budapest. Just put all the schools in Budapest by the order you want, and you'll you'll get in in one of them. So that's what I did. The five options that I had to put on my Erasmus, five of them were in Budapest. So there was no way I would not be going to Budapest. And and yeah, man, it was it was such a great experience. It was my first time living on my own, and I just arrived at two a.m. on a Tuesday in February two thousand and seventeen. And it was minus seven degrees or something like that. I didn't have a taxi ready for me. I didn't have anything. And I was there ready to discover the world. And uh, and man, I never been more spontaneous than that in my life. Because so, so you can just imagine my, my state of mind there. Uh, I skipped the first week of school there. And, uh, and why? Because I, I met a girl and... <laughs> And I went traveling with her, with her friends to Poland to do skiing. So like imagine that, like welcome week where I was supposed to meet all my friends. Like I, w- I, went, travel- I went traveling with strangers. And then I came back, of course, I met all of them. But yeah, my Erasmus was filled with those experiences. I, I managed to visit a bunch of countries and Budapest was also one of the, one of the crates of my craving for uh, traveling. Yeah, I can imagine. And how different was Budapest to where you grew up in Portugal? What were some of the key differences you noticed between both places? So definitely colder. <laughs> That's a point there. So it was definitely cold as fuck. But apart from that, it was more uh, more to the people uh, than to the area itself because I can adapt quite well into uh, different environments but the the older people they were a bit um how can i say this a bit missing a bit of, uh, missing a bit of brightness there because uh, we the portuguese we smile a lot we're quite tanned as you as you as you know you met me and my girlfriend yeah, and and the hungarians they are the opposite they don't they don't I, i'm not saying this in general i'm saying this um in the in the older uh, in the elderly uh, community, because um, I don't know if you know, so uh, I don't want to say this wrong, but I think 
Hungary was under uh, communism until the 80s. So it's still, it's still quite early for them. And th there's still a big bunch of people that are still, of course, alive that were uh, underruled by total different conditions that we are now used to in the, in the 21st century. So you kind of understand uh, them being, um, their culture being influenced by that. Uh, apart from that, the Hungarians have always been a country that was invaded by everyone. Uh, so you can also feel that um, in, in their society. But man, like, I don't want to say this without saying a good word because they're young. Uh, they're youngsters out there. Like They're really making their living and uh, they're totally changing the, the paradigm uh, here. Like uh, I have a bunch of Hungarian friends and they're all happy. And, and they smile a lot, you know? It's just the, the feeling that you get there um, might not be uh, the most happy one, but uh, as, as you start getting to know the city, man, it's a beautiful, vibrant city. And man, you, you fell in love with it. You fell in love with it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to visit eventually. And with that then, once you finished your studies, was Vietnam, your first step or did you do any traveling before that? Yeah, so, so I did a bunch of traveling when I was on Erasmus and after that, because I found out uh, about Ryanair <laughs> and about Weezer and about Flixbus and uh, all, those, uh, all those transportations that in our parents' day, what, like going on a flight to London was like, what, 200 pounds? And now you can go to London for... 330 uh, pounds uh, and, and you still get a return flight, you know? So it's, it's like the, the world is changing here and uh, only people, okay, like I'm not gonna say uh, if you're really, really poor and you don't have the conditions, uh, it's quite unfair if I say this, but only people that don't, that don't want to travel, don't travel because anyone that wants to travel will travel because it's as easy as that just have to prioritize your savings and your earnings. But yeah, I did, I did went to a bunch of countries in, um, in Europe. Uh, I went to Morocco, uh, I went to Brazil. And, uh, and then I was, I was doing, I don't know if you ever heard about it. Uh, I was doing uh, the Camino de Santiago, which is, uh, I think in English it's called The Way. There's a movie about it. Okay. And it's a, it's a, it's a track that goes from the south of France uh, to the Atlantic Ocean on, uh, on, uh, uh, on Spain border, close to uh, Santiago Compostela. So that's about uh, 1,000 1, kilometers track. And I was, I was doing that track as, um, as a reward, as an auto reward uh, for uh, graduating my, my degree. And I was already working at a startup there. So I was quite happy with my life, quite happy with where my career was taking. And, and yeah, and then I was let go <laughs> in the middle of my trek. So then I realized what I wanted to do. And I, I had that job kind of uh, strapping me into Portugal. And since I, I was let go of that job, I could do anything I want, you know. So I just decided I wanted to go to another country and work there. And, and yeah. I don't know how Vietnam uh, came into question. Oh, actually, I know it was not Vietnam that came into question. It was more Southeast Asia. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was the, 
that, that was the destination that I agreed with then with my girlfriend that I that I met uh, after no it was before but yeah um the that I met we agreed that we were going to Southeast Asia and we just doing the math one plus one equals two right you want to travel you need money you work for that money you save the money you have the money you go travel so that's what I did uh, that's what my girlfriend did so we both worked in a call center and and yeah I worked for Nintendo so imagine that yeah uh, I worked for Nintendo and I was uh, playing games every day and yeah every now and then I would I would answer a call I'll I'll send an email and then after nine months working there I, I had enough money um, to sustain myself for a while and travel and yeah and that's and that's what we did in November 2019 we we left Portugal and uh, and yeah it was one of the best decisions in my life yeah absolutely and then coming to Vietnam what were initial reactions and they, they were very influenced by by COVID, Connor. So it's it was it's quite hard um, to do an accurate an accurate expectation for even the audience that never uh, have been to to Vietnam. Because I arrived on the tenth of March of two thousand and twenty. Oh wow! Okay. And on the on the fifteenth of March of two thousand and twenty, the borders closed, uh, and and since then the borders have not yet. Uh, opened so so imagine that I was I was one of the one of the last uh, few that uh, managed to get in the country yeah. and um, and yeah when I arrived there I was on the on the last night we then was was open for a night out before the first lockdown then uh, uh, I went to uh, Muine to Muine Hills you know to the monkey backpackers hostel yeah of course <laughs> and it was supposed to be all about party and all the parties were canceled. And, and then I got sick. Then the friend where I was with uh, got sick as well. We both thought we had COVID. So it was like the first month was not, was not very easy. You know, like we didn't do any tourism. I just, I was just staying sick. And then uh, we managed to get back from uh, Muine to Ho Chi Minh by bus. And I had to take like, two or three ibuprofen to lower um, to lower my fever so I can get in the bus, man. So imagine that. Yeah. And, and then I was coughing all over the bus. And of course, it's not a very good thing to do. But uh, yeah, I really needed to get back to Saigon. And, and of course, I had, I had always uh, my mask protected. But it was, it was not that easy. And then my friend, you went back to Ind Indonesia. I decided to stay in Vietnam with my girlfriend. We rented a studio in Buiven. So imagine living in the side streets of Buiven, how many, how many rats you see a day. <laughs> and, and yeah, we spent there also like uh, another month. So the first, the first couple of months, they were not easy at all. We didn't have any friends. Uh, we didn't have a job at the time. So it was quite, it was quite scary, but since uh, we, we made our decision of staying and um, of course we told our family we'll not be returning so soon. And then we, we found out Buiven and District 1 is actually not the place to live. Yeah, <laughs> It's actually not the center of the city for the expats. It's not, it's not District 1, right? It's not Buiven. And, 
And yeah, so we, we went to live in Anfu in District 2. And man, it was such an eye opener, how many foreigners we would see. And man, we, we managed to integrate the community slowly and steady. It was quite a slow process that I was, I was kind of, um, I, I kind of want to go back to Portugal because of that, because I didn't have much, uh, that many friends at the time. But man, of course, one has to be patient and with uh, um, slowly we, we got there to have awesome friends, an awesome group of friends, uh, an awesome, an awesome community there. And, and man, Oh, you mean now that now that you're there and things are starting opening up, you know, like it's one of the best places to live, right? Yeah, it's unbelievable. I think for so many reasons, I think the fact that I'm not sure of cost of living in Portugal or Hungary, but in the UK, it's so much higher than here in Ho Chi Minh. You can you can have food, you can have a good party, you can go traveling for such a reduced price that you would do back at home and you can live quite a lavish life like you can live in a very nice apartment with a swimming pool and a gym and it still doesn't cost you that much in terms of your monthly wage it's extraordinary man it's amazing and it's the same i know uk the expenditures are a bit higher uh than in portugal but it's still a big difference man and uh so so people understand i was i was living in a in a t1 so one bedroom apartment with a kitchenette so the kitchen was uh, in the same room as the living room, that's fine by me. We had a, a big balcony, swimming pool, gym access. We had a garage. We had a sauna. We had uh, twice a week, um, they, they will clean our apartment, do our dishes if there was any, and they will change our, 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 our bed sheets. And all of this for 400 euros. So, man. For 400 euros, you can't get a room in Lisbon, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I've compared prices with friends at home, and I think, wow. I even forgot about the cleaner. Like, I just forgot then, as you mentioned, I've also got one. And that also, you know, it gets taken for granted. And I am aware that exactly when I leave Ho Chi Minh, I'm really going to realize. So I'm trying to savor it now. And with that, can I ask you, what made you decide to leave Ho Chi Minh? Yeah, so it's it's quite a it's quite a blunt uh, answer, Connor. So it was it was the same thing that made me made me go there. Like I went there because of COVID was was ramping up, and I wanted to settle in the country, in a proper country. Because I was I was in Jakarta before arriving in Vietnam. I had a, I didn't want to leave there, and and then I left Vietnam for the same reason, but in a negative way because of COVID. So the lockdown hit us hard as you know right you were you were a victim of this even uh, even in a larger scale that, than me but I was already planning to go back uh, on Christmas because I already spent two Christmas away come back on Christmas and it was August and I had to make a decision like uh, will I wait for uh, for this lockdown to be lifted and then maybe this lockdown will only be lifted in like November. And then I'll be spending all these months um, in a cage while I can just go back to Europe when everything is normal, which is where I'm already going back either way uh, on Christmas time. So it was even a harder decision to leave Portugal than it was 
uh, to come back. So sorry, come back, come coming back to, to Europe was a, was a harder decision uh, than leaving. But it was so hard, and but we finally made the decision. We booked a flight. Actually, we booked the flight to Budapest because <laughs> it was cheaper, and we spent a few days there, and uh, and then I, I went around on uh, Europe as well. I can then tell you about that experience, a bit of football there. But then coming back to Portugal, I just realized like it was it was the best decision, and I'm re I'm really glad that you guys are back on the street now. Uh, since since the the first of October, but man, just imagine like uh, I left uh, Vietnam, and since then, it was two extra months of lockdown. Yeah. So I think I, I made I made the best decision. Yeah, absolutely, man. No, I agree with that. I think that the restrictions were very draconian, particularly in August and September, where the military delivered food and there was a lot of chaos. So, yeah, I'm glad for you that you missed that. And I'm glad that you're at the next stage of your chapter in Portugal. With that, you mentioned football. Let's talk about football then, because I know that you love football and so do I. So I feel like we could go to some great places here. When <laughs> did you first fall in love with football was it very early on no no connor if it was very early on i would be speaking with you uh from a mesh and i'll probably be playing in the in some top league <laughs> no i'm kidding <laughs> like I, I i i started playing football quite late man um and i started i i didn't even watch football by the time i played it so i only like to play it uh, at, at school and with friends on the street and uh, I did I did try uh, to get a run at it in a club when I was 12, but um, I played for a year and, and then I got this injury, which is called, it's kind of a Latin name, which is Osgutslater. Maybe it's not, maybe it's even German. I don't know. Osgutslater. I think it's Latin, which is basically the tendon um, in your knee outgrows your bone. Right. And I, I had this in, in both of my knees. And it's basically because you grow, you grow faster, and the muscles don't grow long, and and I had to stop and, and I had to stop uh, playing football because if anyone ever um, touched my knee, like I would, I would basically die. I would have to go to the hospital. So, so I had to stop for two or three years, and and I made the decision. I it was not even me that made the decision to go to football. I was like with fourteen or fifteen. And my mother forced me to go to a club. Like I was, I was a bit shy at the time. Like you met me, uh, you met me uh, this year. You know that I'm not a shy guy, but I was quite a shy guy at the time. And I didn't want it. And then once I got a piece of it, uh, man, I didn't want anything else. And I started off without having no principles, no grounds, no tactics. I only knew how to do netmax, you know. So, obviously, my first years um, at the club, I was not uh, a big highlight of the team. Uh, but then uh, I grew and and grew. I was I was the right back um, at uh, at my team, and then from my right back, I went to right winger, right uh, right forward. Then I went a bit to the middle. Um, uh, CFO and then even even striker and and then yeah man I, I didn't want anything anything else in life man but football and and then I started watching football of course 
and man it's uh, sometimes I kid around with my with my girlfriend so he said I have to choose between you and football you have to give me a week to think about it (laughs) (laughs) it's at that level and yeah it surprises me a bit that you mentioned you weren't into it too much growing up because I this again is an assumption because I've never been but I'm thinking of Portugal like a lot of European countries having one of the best footballers ever and arguably one of the best managers ever in Mourinho that Portugal would be a football-obsessed country. And obviously, there are the local leagues. There is Porto, etc. So, yeah, it does surprise me a bit that you weren't initially into it. But it is huge over there in Portugal, right? Yeah, it, it surprised me as well, Connor. It surprised me as well to look back and to see, like, man, how, how did I... Uh, how, did, how did not I start playing football sooner? But uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was... I, I always wanted to be, if people go left, I like to go right, you know? So it, it kind of started off like that. And, and, and then, yeah, I, was, I think I was a bit too shy to, to get in a club where I didn't know anyone. And I was quite doubtful about my, uh, my expertise in, the, in playing. So I always neglected that. I was doing, I was doing canoeing, man. <laughs> I was doing uh, canoeing. I was doing a bit of... Uh, uh, kayak rafting and uh, windsurf so was, <laughs> I was a bit lost in sports but uh, but yeah once I found football man it was it was really um, a great a great love that I have for it yeah of course and once that was found how often did you play was it weekly or whenever you could yeah it, it, it's uh, it shifted a bit from from age to age but uh, i was playing like four or five times a week so i had three practices with a, a game on saturday or sunday uh, apart from that i would play even more with friends uh, it was a time that i was in my club uh, that it's like in the fifth division in uh, in portugal uh, i was playing there and i was also playing college football for my college so i was i was <laughs> man i was were playing pretty much every day and and then and, and if it's if it's up if it's up to me i would play every day wow how has your knee recovered since that have there been any flare-ups or has it generally been okay for you what do you mean sorry uh, your knee you mentioned earlier the difficulty with the knee i can't remember the exact phrase but you know the injury for about two or three years yeah, yeah, that 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 never was a problem uh, from that point on. So um, even now on, on my right knee, um, if if someone tackles me on the knee, it hurts me quite uh, quite a bit more from the regular player, and I do have to ice it after after the practice. But uh, nothing more than that. I, I can I can still I can still play. Um, but injuries, man, is something that if it's okay with you, I would not like to talk about that because it's a taboo for me. And uh, man, I've been injured too much in my life and uh, it's really a big pain. Mm. So, so yeah, let's just say injuries are one of my biggest nightmares and move on from that. <laughs> Fair point, man. And since we're on the theme of football and we've talked about Vietnam, 
up global obviously we met through toro and toro's been on here etc and we've seen up global grow you've been quite heavily involved with up can you tell me a bit more about that yeah man so up global man there was uh, some big opportunity for me to to be involved in this awesome project to uplifting uh people's lives and and yeah toro toro he, he said he, he wanted to uh, have a chat with me and we went to Saigon Outcast and he told me about his project which was still pretty virgin at the time he, he already had uh, an investor lined up he already had a designer uh, but he was still pretty virgin at the time and um, and I offered my my help uh, to bring uh, to bring that to life so I like to think like yeah Toro is the big man but uh, but when I when I was there in Vietnam, since then my influence has cut a bit short, sadly. But I like to think that I was his right hand on uh, uh, creating creating the company that is um, UPP Global, and and yeah, I was uh, pretty much the director of marketing. That's that's a very fancy name, but uh, you 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 can say director of marketing if you don't have anyone to direct so i was i was just handling the 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 marketing and the communications and uh, i was doing the social media part um i was handling the website uh, design part as well and and then we had all these cool ideas of new projects of what to do and and yeah i was also like the content creator uh when it comes to go to the classes and uh, on the practice as well, I would help on coaching. Mm-hmm. And man, it was just uh, our vision. It's still it's still alive. And uh, Toro, Toro is coming back uh, next week. He's coming back to practice with the kids in in Tree High, which is which is great news. Uh, but now that I'm a bit away, it's a bit hard to to put that influence into into material things, you know. So uh, right now, I can only focus on. Uh, uh, doing designs and and, and social, the social media part. But the vision that we had to, to make it global, um, to conquer, conquer uh, Vietnam with it, then go to other countries like Bermuda, uh, Brazil, uh, Africa, you know? So like we really had a vision here and um, I still believe it's possible. And, uh, and I still want to be involved despite uh, being, uh, being in Portugal. Yeah, for real. I think it has some serious legs, and I remember hearing about it, thinking, "Yeah, this will be this will be great." And I'm excited to see how far it develops. I also love the social media challenge that you guys did: uh, pass the ball, not the virus. As soon as I saw that, I thought, "Yes, this is wicked." So I got stuck in, and uh, quite a few others did. That took off quite a bit. Yeah, so that was so that was one of the examples. Uh, so that was my idea um, uh, to do that challenge. So that was one of the examples that I wanted to promote the brand kind of what I've learned already from, from past, uh, from past experiences because uh, I'm quite the marketing guy myself and, uh, and yeah, and that passed the ball, not, uh, not the virus was quite a nice challenge, but man, it, it should have been so much bigger. It should have been so much bigger um, because we kind of had to go after people and it, it didn't, it didn't bomb. It didn't explode as we wanted to. We even got like some um Minh football club players uh, doing doing the challenge, you know. And we also like we have one professional player, Diakite, who's quite a famous player in Viet- in Vietnam. 
like he did the video for us and we we haven't shared that yet you know so imagine like we we could really explode that uh, that challenge uh but it didn't but at the same time i think it was an awesome challenge if you if you go on our instagram page uh, at upp global you can check on the highlights um the the challenge and man some videos are so funny so funny yeah no i'm looking forward to it man i feel like it'll be wicked and i suppose we've covered you know the portugal vietnam bit of up in football let's move into something we both know a bit about which is podcasting uh, i believe is this quite a recent venture for you yeah totally man totally so it was so we started off in in vietnam and and man you're way more more experienced than me because i don't have 253 episodes uh, i have something like 20 20 something and my podcast has not yet even been released <laughs> oh, wow. but um, but the, the situation here and is what it's kind of different for me, Connor, is that my pod, uh, me being a podcast host is a part of my job. So I, I applied for uh, Arthur SEO, which is um, SEO digital marketing company. Uh, it's, it's actually based in, um, based in Saigon, but of course we work worldwide mainly for uh, American clients because they are the ones that can actually afford our rates. <laughs> and, and yeah, first I, I initially applied to be a marketing manager, which, well, which, was, uh, which I was uh, underqualified for. So they said no, which was a bummer. But then two days after they said like, oh, we really liked you, we really liked your vibe and we may have uh, a suitable uh, opening for you. So they talked, uh, they talked to me about how they want to create a podcast. And, and yeah, I said yes. And man, my podcast is about real estate. And I have two podcasts right now, which is uh, the Multifamily Master Summit podcast and the EXP Realty mini series podcast. And you, and you ask me, like, why real estate? <laughs> uh, like, I, I don't have any experience in real estate, man. And I hope uh, none of the guests that uh, come to the podcast actually listens to this episode. But, but man, I don't have any experience in real estate. And we, we, like, I think the intention of our podcast is quite different than yours. Sure. Uh, of course, you do this uh, as a as a hobby, as to meet new people, as as to promote uh, to promote uh, even I think like uh, what you're doing here to invite. How can I say this? I don't want to say the standard person. Sure. But how can I say this in a in a in a nice way? You know, like everyone can be a uh, everyone can be a podcast guest, right? You you yeah. don't have to have fifty thousand followers or or a big ass or, or be rich or be a football player, you know, like yeah. everyone has something to say. Everyone has something interesting to say. And that's why I love your podcast, Connor. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, you're welcome. <laughs> As from, for my podcast, I don't have, I don't have that passion that you have, you know, like uh, I do this, I, I invite guests, uh, I'll talk them through, through, through their shit. And then I try uh, I try to uh, get them as clients, if not as clients, at least as, as, as partnerships. So it's more as a lead generator than content creation. 
if you know if you know what I mean. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I see what you mean. And what are some of the benefits or surprises that you found since entering your podcasting journey? Have there been any, oh, that surprised me, moments? What kind of things have you experienced? And I, first of all, I never thought to speak with total strangers and interview them uh, for the sake of real estate investing. That's, that's a new. <laughs> and, and yeah, it was, it was quite a challenge to start because I really had to uh, get in the world of real estate. You know, I had to study, I had to prepare myself into, for, the, for the interviews, have the questions all lined, all lined up, question, follow-up question, conclusion, uh, initial pop-up, you know? So it's like, um, I, always, I always had an interest in journalism and this kind of this kind of brought it up and man, I'm loving the experience of, of learning how to conduct and, and guide the interviews better and better. And, and yeah, and people actually are um, praising me a lot, which is just quite surprising because of course I'm not a native speaker, but they say like, oh man, that was a great interview, man. I love the questions. They were quite well directed. Um, very nice planning there. So I think what's surprising me the most there is is actually I'm being success successful in it. <laughs> and and yeah, even even the other day, a guy wanted to hire me for his company from uh, from me uh, interviewing him because he liked my energy. And um, it's pretty much what I what I try to do in the podcast is I try always to have a laugh because I'm not uh, my value add, my competitive advantage is certainly not going to be my 30 years of experience of non-existent experience in real estate. Right. So I always try to pull to pull my youth, my uh, my good to go, my well being, my my laugh, my laughter, and and yeah, I make the episodes. Man, and the episodes they are looking great. We have not released yet because uh, I'm I'm also learning how to edit videos. <laughs> but but yeah, once it's released, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah, please do, man. And I think there are there are a variety of factors into you what makes a good podcast I think one thing that you said there which resonated with me is the energy aspect you don't really have to have a lot of experience in journalism or communications or you know in your in your case real estate you just have to a lot of the time just be interested and let the guests speak and actually take note and interest in their story I think people really appreciate knowing that you're listening to them and you're giving them an opportunity to share their story. People like to be listened to. And I think that that is a hugely underrated skill, both in podcasting and in life. Exactly. In life, especially, Connor. And, uh, and yeah, one, one, of the, uh, one of the skills that I've been uh, improving is, is listening, uh, such in life, such, such in podcasting, and it's so much easier because you can get quite distracted. I don't, I don't know if you ever did that. When listening, when listening to a guest, it's a recording and you're listening and maybe it already happened with me when I, when I spoke for four minutes straight or something like that. And he was like, oh shit, what is he talking about? You know, <laughs> like you, you stop listening there for a bit because it's quite easy to get distracted, right? You're like, it's, it's a camera, 
like we are here now, Connor, we don't even have a camera. So I'm, I'm kind of like looking at the birds when, when talking to you, yeah, but sure. you can get quite easily distracted. And then where's the follow-up question? You know, like, like you have to do the transition from questions to questions. It can be one of the hardest parts in an interview. Yes. And you have to be a very open listener to grab something that you said in the previous answer so I can turn that into my next question, you know? Yeah, it's a skill. And I think a lot of people think podcasting is just conversation and it depends on the style, right? Joe Rogan probably is. But a lot of mm -hmm. them, you do need to have to listen and you do have to have interest. And, and it's not as easy as it looks, but you seem to be doing a good job, man. Keep it up. Yeah, thank you, man. And uh, yourself as well. And, uh, but it's, uh, I just want to add a, add a pinpoint here, kind of like, it's not as easy as, as, as it looks, but like, I would say, like, if you, if you want to do it, you can. Mm -hmm. And uh, if it's something that you're passionate about, even more, because I think the big challenge here for me was because I was not in my industry, man, I was talking real estate, man, due diligence, underwriting, uh, IRAs, man. I didn't know any of that uh, of that uh, of that things. So, so I think like imagine uh, I would if I would have ever have a podcast, it would be about traveling, you know. And of course, you the conversation will be way smoother. I will have to plan uh, less, um, and uh, I'll be acting a bit more natural. So, like if it's something that you're passionate about, like Connor here talking to 253. Uh, different people like uh, you can do it man do your podcast it's a very big platform to raise your voice and be heard and um, and you'll be surprised how many people want wants to actually listen yeah big time I'm actually going to do a presentation at the end of the month in Saigon and several others hopefully about how how easy it is well actually I'm not sure if easy is the right word but how how much more simple it is than you think for example I'm not sure if you were similar due to you know the way it operated but I thought I needed a fancy studio and I needed <laughs> cameras and lights I thought I needed everything and then realized hang on if I just have a phone <laughs> a zoom account which has a record button and I have people in Saigon that I can speak to then I can just start and once you start you get momentum and it really is you know as you mentioned people are interested in hearing stories even your story and even if you think oh nobody would listen to me no they will everybody has a story I firmly believe it and that's why the podcast grows and grows so yeah it's it's a lot simpler than people think but I do hope that you know after this pandemic perhaps that there's a boom of podcasts and people really take note and have more of these free-flowing real authentic long-form conversations yeah I totally agree with that and uh, I do want to also um, start my own podcast about traveling and I kind of want to, uh, it's kind of a similar situation. So you don't have to be a travel influencer to, uh, to feature on the podcast. You know, I just want to have uh, the common, the common traveler um, tell a story about, uh, about their experience, you know, and I actually, I already had some interviews, but it was, it was in writing. Uh, I put I put them in writing. It was yeah, sure. it can be converted into a podcast. But imagine like a girl went to Bhutan uh, to do Erasmus, 
another girl that I met uh, in Malaysia went around the world and she was afraid of flying. So, so she always um, uh, went on cargo ships. And, um, and this is the common traveler, you know, they have 200 followers on Instagram and they don't, they don't give a shit about social media. They're just a common traveler. And I, and I wanted to bring those, those stories also up, um, uh, up to, the, to, the, to the big audience here that is uh, Spotify. And you, you, were, you were actually saying like uh, everything seemed easier. And yeah, everything seemed easier for me. Except like I don't quite get around with with the RSS feed. Do you have a Do you have an RSS feed? Um, no, I don't believe so. Uh, RSS feed. I'm not actually entirely sure what one is. To be completely honest with you. So you just post on on Spotify? Is that it? Oh no, I, I post on all streaming platforms. I use Anchor. You use Anchor. Okay, yeah. so Anchor FM it, it creates uh, its own RSS feed. Okay, okay. So it's available and all. So yeah, I'll send you this afterwards. And yeah, mate, it's it's a good one. I didn't realize again how much easier it is to get to all platforms. And yeah, I love that idea actually. Yeah, and the common traveler, you know, that lady for with the cargo ships, that's fascinating. And also with all of these contacts that you've met in Saigon, there are so many travel stories. I mean, I know this sounds basic, but everybody who came to Saigon, Vietnam, traveled. Of course they did. So they do have a story in some way. Yeah, mate, this travel podcast could definitely do well, especially with the themes you're thinking. I'd, I'd encourage you to go for it, man. Yeah, man. Thanks. And uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm actually opening up in, in the computer so I can tell you a bit more of that. But yeah, like, uh, but yeah, I have, I have already like articles written, like when I was, uh, I went here Chinese for a day where I was like in the New Year's um, in Malaysia, I was part of... Uh, a tradition, a tradition there, and, and I even dressed up like them, and it was quite nice. The other part, when I was scammed in a go-go bar in Bangkok, so I like I quite have a lot of stories to tell, and um, and I showed you I have I have that Instagram page Trip in Wonderland, yeah, which, which is quite dead right now. If uh, if any of you uh, Google Trip in Wonderland with an A for wonder, um. Yeah, you would see I haven't posted in uh, about like in almost a year, but but yeah, but it still has uh, quite a bunch of followers, like 60,000 or something like that. So um, I'm still thinking of using that in the in the near future. Yeah, big time, man. And that brings me nicely to the end of the conversation. And the question I always leave guests with is what is next for the future? You've obviously mentioned that podcast and you're now back in Portugal. Uh, are there any other things going forward that you'd like to mention before we depart? What is next, uh, Connor? I don't know. Um, I do know. So I'm working, I'm, I'm continuing to working uh, remotely for Ardor SEO, the company that is based in Vietnam. So I'm continuing to working uh, here uh, back home. Uh, I plan I plan to go around Europe a lot because uh, my traveling blood is boiling at the moment. So I need I need to do stuff. I need to visit uh, new cities. So until Christmas, I'm probably going to Amsterdam, Ireland, and probably Switzerland. I hope. And 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 then the plan is Christmas here, New Year's New Year's here, 
And then from January or February, the plan is to, is to go to a different country. We've quite not, me and my girlfriend, we haven't made the, the decision, but the decision is to work remotely in a different country, maybe Greece, maybe Costa Rica, maybe Mexico. We've, we, we had some options. <laughs> now we have to make the, the decision, no? Yeah, of course. Well, Tomash, thank you very much for your time today. Much appreciated, man. And all the very best. Yeah, the very best to you, Connor. I'll I'll keep following up with the, with the episodes and and yeah, I can't wait for you to reach more more <laughs> the 300 episodes, 400 episodes, yeah, 500 man. episodes. Man, you will you will you will get you you'll get this to the to the big stages and uh, you're already a rock star. We'll just continue <laughs> to rock more. That's nice one, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye.